0: So James chapter 5, again, chapter 5, it really talks about prayers, the meat in the middle there. But we get something so special at the end of it. I don't know if you've ever had like a really good meal. People tell me, you talk a lot about food and steak. Yes, I love food. I love steak, right? But if you ever had a really good meal, the only way to make that really good meal even better is by having a killer dessert and a killer coffee afterwards, right? And then after that, you're just like happy, and you're just smiling, close your eyes a little bit, right? And you just sit in your chair until they get you the bill, and then you wake up, right? Whatever the case may be. Hopefully, it's at someone's house. And verse 19 and 20, it's almost the dessert and that perfect cortadito, right, at the end of the meal of James chapter 5. So let's read verse 19 and 20. So it says, Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone turns him back, Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. So these five chapters of James, there's been so much practical life application for us. Really the key verse, the cornerstone verse in a sense for James is that faith without works is dead. It's dead, right? He says, you say you have faith, but if there's no works, if there's no fruit behind it, it's dead. It's good for nothing. Nothing is functioning. Nothing is happening here. And now he finishes off the chapter, again telling us, brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. A couple biblical names right think of lot think of peter think of david you think of mark john mark and i don't know about you guys maybe that's your favorite bible character i've never heard someone's favorite bible character being lot but i don't know if that's your favorite bible character right peter any a few peters here anybody like peter Right, a few of us. Right, we like Peter. We like how he does his best, but he messes up so often. But yet, at the end, Acts. Right, it's incredible. To see the transformation in Peter in the Book of Acts. David is David. anyone's favorite Bible character. Right. I think th- I thought there'd be more Davids. Right. Besides Jesus, guys. We all know Jesus is everybody's favorite <laughs> Bible character. Right. Besides Jesus. Right. And then finally, Mark, the Gospel of Mark, that young John Mark. He had to be sent away from Paul. Anybody like Mark? Any marks here? We got, Joey likes marks. So, man, we got these Bible characters that we we love. There's certain parts that we hate and we can't stand. But each of these four men, at one point or another in their lives, they wandered from the truth. Four incredible men. The greatest king in Israel's history. One of the gospel writers. One of the disciples, right? Lot, he's in Hebrews. Really, that's the only reason I think he's a believer or saved is because of what God says in Hebrews about him. But if these men weren't turned around, again, their lives would end on such sour notes, on such terrible places, right? Imagine switching Peter and Judas. We would have a bunch of people named Judas and no one would be named Peter if you would swap roles in the way that these two men dealt with their denial of Jesus in a sense. And it's a good reminder to us that there are people not seated amongst us who once were. Who right now they have wandered from the truth. If we're honest, some of us, six months ago, a year ago, a week ago, right? We were those who were wandering from the truth. So we break it down. Very first word is brethren. So James, he leaves no doubt Who he is addressing, right? In the beginning of chapter 4, we saw that chunk where he's either addressing an unbeliever. That's a businessman, has power, has money. Hopefully it's not a believer that he's addressing there. But now here he ends the final note saying, brethren, body of believers, family. He's speaking to us. And then he says, if anyone among you wanders. What does that word wander mean? In the Strong's, this specific word wander, it's to be led aside from the path of virtue, to be led aside from the path of virtue, to go astray, to sin. You could just write these down in Titus chapter 3, verse 3. It tells us, for we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived. It's that same word there, deceived. In Hebrews chapter 5, 5, verse 2, you could just write that one down. Speaking of Jesus, it tells us he can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray. So again, this word wander, it's not someone who, in a sense, is purposefully saying, I want nothing to do with Jesus anymore. It's not someone who is purposefully saying, that's it, I'm over this, this is dumb, this is over. It's someone who is being led astray. They've been deceived. And if we're honest, we're prone to do this, right? You think of the hymn, Lord, prone to wander, right? Lord, I need it. I need you to bind me in your love, Lord, because I am prone to wander. To wander, it's to move without purpose, it's to meander, it's to follow a winding course, getting off the right course, it's to stray away. That's why we need purpose in our lives. We need to make sure that we're not just walking around aimlessly, but that we have a purpose in our lives. And the Bible's given us a purpose. If we're honest, many of us, we often wander in our minds, right? We stray in our minds. We're in class or we're in a meeting and someone calls our name and, whoa, I just got here, right? You've been here in the meeting for the last three hours. Yeah, but my brain just got here, right? It's straight away. Being a youth pastor you learn a lot of practical things in ministry. And if you're a wise youth pastor, you learn things from the youth pastors before you. And you change things from those mistakes. We would go to camp in Headwaters, Virginia, and we would stop at different places to eat. And there was this one time where we stopped to eat, and then the kids were coming back to the bus, and we used to count them on their way into the bus. We used to count them on their way into their bus. We're leaving McDonald's, and there's this one kid, he's in line, he's a sixth grader, and then all of a sudden, after being counted, he wandered. He wandered away from the bus. I don't think it was on purpose. I don't think he was angry at any of the youth leaders. He wanted to go to camp, but he just wandered because he thought, man, I want a McFlurry. (laughs) And he wandered away from the bus. There was nothing malicious, there was no evil intent, but he wandered from the bus, There's a little bit of a freak out. Where did he go? Wow, we found him. He's alive. He's okay. Never lost a kid at camp. Don't worry. But we can often wander without realizing it. We wander, right? Our world, our nation, ADD, ADHD, we're giving people permission to wander in their minds. So again, as James is telling us, who can wander? Anyone among you. And this is one of the first dangers to wandering is some of us think, not me, Lord. I could never wander. Yeah, I remember so-and-so that used to be here with me in ministry. I remember so-and-so that used to sit there. But Lord, I'm still here. Lord, I would never wander. I would never leave you. And the very first thing that usually leads us to wander, it's our pride. Our pride can settle in and it can deceive us. We think, Lord, not I. I know so and so, but Lord, I've sacrificed so much. Lord, I, w- I would never do such a thing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, turn here now. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 and 13, we get a warning for us as believers. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and in verse 8 through 13, to get the context, it tells us, Nor let us commit sexual immorality, as some of them did And in one day 23,000 fell, nor let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain, as some of them also complained, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all of these things happened to them as examples. And they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Again, we should never be in a place where we think, I am too strong to wander. I am too strong to fall. Because again, the examples here, many times it's the children of Israel that was seeing the miracles of God on a daily basis, right? On Sunday mornings, we're going through Exodus. And imagine seeing all these miracles, all these plagues. The Lord rips the Red Sea in half. You walk through it. Then as your enemy, the army, this military giant that you could think we could never beat them, they get destroyed. They get slammed by the Red Sea and all the waves. Now the Lord is leading you, right? You're out in the middle of the desert. By day, he gives you cloud for shade to take care of you so you can follow it. By night, there's no power, right? But he's a pillar of fire to give you light, to protect you and lead you. And in this moment, the nation of Israel, they wandered. They didn't trust in God. They didn't believe in God. It tells us they tempted Jesus. They basically trampled on his blood, complaining about him. So for us, we need to realize, hey, we can wander, We can wander. For Lot, how did Lot wander? He kept getting closer and closer to Sodom and Gomorrah. He had Abraham, his uncle. He was an incredible example of a godly man. He was a wealthy man, a rich man. There was no reason why Lot shouldn't have just stuck around with Abraham. He should have told his servants, hey, stop fighting with my uncle's servants. We would have nothing if it wasn't for my uncle. But Lot continued to go towards Sodom and Gomorrah. The glitz, the glamour, the big city, the power, the influence. He slowly but surely kept creeping that way and it destroyed him. He wandered. For Peter, he was sleeping when he should have been praying. If we go to Luke chapter 22, here we see Jesus. It's to the point where Jesus warns Peter and tells him what's about to happen But again, here because of pride, he was sleeping when he should have been praying. In Luke chapter 22, verse 31 through 34, it says, The Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you, both to prison and to death. And I tell you, Peter, Jesus answers, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny me three times that you know me. Again, Peter, he thought, I'm above that. Maybe the other 11 goons, but never me, Lord, right? Maybe the tax collector guy, maybe the doctor guy, but Lord, I'm the fisherman here. All My life has all been with my hands and being faithful. But he was sleeping when he should have been praying. Jesus, he takes him to, a pri- imagine, a private prayer meeting with Jesus, right? And what do they all do? <sighs> They're sleeping, all of them. Jesus wakes them up multiple times, and he's sleeping again. I do think his pride, I'll never do this, right? David, when did he wander? When he stayed at home when he should have been at war. He stayed at home when he should have been at war. Again, for us, we have been created for a battle. right, Ken, he talks about this especially for boys. We've all been created for a battle. We crave the fight of good and evil. And if we're not a part of that battle, you are going to be prone to wander. The church encouraging you guys, hey, you should be serving, you should serve regularly. It's not just so we get more servants. No, it's, this is one of the ways to protect you from wandering. Because if you're about your father's business, if you're around a bunch of other believers, and you're praying, you're preparing for your ministry, you're getting ready for it, it's going to be another level of protection for us. I know I'm in the remedial class. That's why I'm up here so often because God forces me to study, forces me to stay here. I enjoy it more and more, but it's a protection for me because I got to show up here two, three times a week and I don't want to just sit here and say, duh, right? I want to represent the Lord correctly. So for us serving, being a part of the battle, it protects us. In Proverbs chapter 27 verse 8, you could write it down. It says, like a bird that wanders from its nest is a man who wanders from his place. Again, when we begin to wander, perhaps from serving, from ministry, from church, we're going to continue to wander and it's not going to stop until we get some like form of pain. And then we sort of wake up and say, oh my goodness, what am I doing here? Like the prodigal son, man, do not my father's slaves eat better than I am right now? You could write down Proverbs 21 verse 16 and it says, a man who wanders from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead. You see, we have such a bittersweet thing being Christians and being believers. The sweet thing is that we have been shown Through the grace of God, the true light of the world, and the truth. We have been able to taste of the truth of this world, of this universe, and that's Jesus Christ. But now if we wander from that understanding and that truth, guys, outside of Jesus, there's nothing but death. There's nothing but death. So now if we begin to wander away from the Lord, as Proverbs 21 verse 16 tells us there, if we wander from the way of understanding, we will rest in the assembly of the dead. That's the only place to go. It's downhill from being a part of the Lord and following the way, following the truth, right? Even Peter says it, John chapter 6 verse 68 Peter answered him, Lord, where else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. Lord, anywhere else from here, it's downhill. Jesus, if we leave you, we're going backwards. So now if we begin to wander, we're leaving the best thing in this whole entire universe. The only truth in this entire universe, the only true love in the entire universe when we wander. So again... We're all going to wander. What are some of the practical things to keep in mind? Hopefully you say, hey, I don't want to wander here. First one is lack of prayer. Lack of prayer, right? Jesus is God incarnate in man's flesh. And yet you see him praying all the time. Hey, let me go up to the mountain to pray. He woke up early. He went and prayed. He pulled himself away from the group. And he prayed. It's a lack of prayer. A lack of prayer. Reliance on God. That's what prayer is about, is relying on the Lord, not relying on our own flesh. As we saw with the Israelites, another thing that can lead us to wandering is focusing on what you don't have. Focusing on what you don't have can lead us to wander. And we can get consumed with that, right? Keeping up with the Jones and and social media has like put gasoline on that fire and that sin where now it's not just the people in your classroom or just the people in your family or just your neighbor next door but now on social media you're looking at every millionaire every billionaire you're looking at everyone and the lifestyle that they want you to pretend they're living and we can grow bitter and say man i don't have this i don't have that and we can forget all the things we have like the nation of israel right they didn't sit there saying wow lord you've provided from us lord you rained down bread from heaven Lord, you made water come out of a rock in the middle of a desert. Wow, Lord, you're incredible. Wow, Lord, you made it so our shoes have never, they've never gotten worse and worse. They've been perfect this whole entire journey. But the Israelites, they were focusing on what they didn't have to, like dumb things, right? Where's the leek and the onions, right? Who misses leek and onions, right? Do you ever leave a meal saying, wow, those leeks and onions. My goodness, you got to get me the recipe, right? No. But when we focus on what we don't have, we can quickly wander away from the Lord. Another thing that can lead us to wander, it's pride. Our own pride, right? There's a problem at work, whose fault is it? Anyone but me. Can't be me, right? There's a problem in your home? What's happening? It's my wife, it's the kids. Our pride keeps us from thinking that we could ever be at fault, right? Never me. It could never be me. And that leads us to wander. Everyone else is at fault but me. What else can lead us to wander? With the young adults, we're going through 1 Samuel. We just looked at Saul. What leads us to wander? Saying, Lord, I love you. Jesus, I love you. But I also do X, Y, or Z. Jesus, I love you, but I'm not willing to let go of this. You see, with Solomon, it says that he loved the Lord God, which is great. Imagine having your name in the Bible, Zach loved the Lord God. But then the rest of the same verse says, but he worshiped on the high places, which means that he was setting up altars for each of his wife's foreign gods. So, hey, Solomon, he loved the Lord God. Hey, that's an awesome verse. But he also loved this God and this idol and this thing and that thing. Same thing with Solomon. He goes out telling Samuel, hey, Samuel, I obeyed. I did exactly what you wanted me to do. I utterly destroyed the Amalekites, but I also kept Agag. Wait, what? Those two things don't mix, right? And oftentimes you could say, Lord, I love you. Jesus, I want to follow you. But I also like to do these couple things on the side that in the Bible says that are wrong. But Lord, I love you. That lifestyle will lead us to wander. Because oftentimes that lifestyle will lead to leaving your first love, right? Leaving your first love. As we talked about David, David loved warfare. David was a man of war, right? Not many people pray, Lord, make my hands ready for warfare and battle, right? I don't know how often that's in your prayers, right? Lord, with you, I can bend the bow of iron, right? All these different prayers. Lord, I pray you smash their teeth in. Maybe most of us pray those prayers, right? But, man, David was a man of war from when he was a young kid, and he goes and he fights Goliath. But he left his first love. Ultimately, truly, that's Jesus. That's the Lord. But he should have been out in war. He should have been out with his brothers. He should have been serving. He should have been in the battle. But instead, he said, you know what? I'm just going to relax. I'm just going to have some comfort. And it led him to wander. And these last two, leaving your first love, loving Jesus, but also loving or needing to keep this around. It's having another lover. Having another lover. That's really what it boils down to. Say, I don't have any other lovers. I just love my wife. And that's it, right? Some people, they just love money. And as Lord, I love you, but I also love money. and make you money. Lord, I love you, but I also love My social media account, and I'm a slave to it, and I have to be on it. i got to do this. I can't miss out on that. Lord, I love you, but I also love the news. Lord, I love you, but I also love the fishing. Lord, I love you. And these can be good things, but if they become gods, if they become lovers, if they're things that God is telling you, hey, you need to give this up, if you want to dive in deeper with me, they're going to lead us to wander. Family, we need to be humble, and we need to be strong. We're in a battle. Following Jesus is not going to get easier. Please show me that verse. I'm looking for that verse though. right? It's just going to continue to get more and more difficult. And as you see the world, as you see the news, it's only going to get more and more difficult to follow Jesus in a biblical manner. There'll be other ways you could follow a Jesus, but to follow the biblical Jesus, is going to get harder and harder. Listening to a teaching, and it's so true, we're going to go through trials. We're all going to go through difficult situations, but are we holding on to the Lord? The pastor's name is John Miller, I think, or Jim Miller. But he said, man, the same sun that melts wax is the same sun that hardens clay. We're all going to go through trials. We're all going to go through rough seasons, but what Are you made of? What are you made of, right? Truly, what is your Lord made of? Because all we have to do is hold on to God for dear life, and you'll be okay. If you hold on to him for dear life, you hold on to the Bible for dear life, you're going to be okay, right? How often does Paul tell Timothy, hey, Timothy, right, come on, guy, get up. You're okay, right? Don't be timid. Don't be fearful. Don't let them look down on you. And Timothy was able to get through it. We were talking about Mark, guy at one point runs naked. He's so afraid that when the soldiers come and arrest Jesus, later on Paul says, dude, you got to get out of here. You're not okay. You're not allowed to be here. You're fired from this mission trip, right? But then later on again, thank the Lord, he's brought back. Family, we need to be strong as we go through these different things. We need to make a stand saying Jesus and church is important to us. Chris sent me this Yahoo article and I was talking about why are younger people leaving Christianity, leaving religion. And they pointed to it wasn't necessarily because of the world getting more pagan or more sin or more parting. They linked it to our education system. The very biggest point that they made is our education system does not just teach about science and math and language. But our education system teaches that religion... It's just something some people like to do on the weekend. Some people go to church. Some people go fishing. Some people go to church. Some people play tennis. So it's not that big of a deal. It's not that important. And that's crept into, if we're honest, most of the American church and we say, you know what? It's not that important for me to go to church. Dude, I got technology. I'm on Facebook. I can have a watch party with people watching church, right? And in this season, there are some that, man, they have people who are very sick or very touch-and-go at home. But if we're honest, there are many people that COVID has been the perfect excuse to not go to church anymore. If we're honest, right? Maybe not you, but I've had some awkward situations, right? People that haven't been in church in forever, but you see them at Home Depot and you're like, what? Wait, What? Yeah, hey, how you doing? Everybody okay? Everything fine? They, they themselves, they don't know what to do, right? At Costco, at all these different places, but church, church. Again, is this just something we do for fun? Or are we saying this is how we serve, this is how we love, this is how we worship the creator of heaven and earth that loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son to die for us, right? We need to have strength, We need to be ready for the battle that's coming. So again, now that we've established who can wander? Me. Any of us, right? All of us can wander. How can we bring someone back? How can we turn someone back? Because again, thank God. In James is not just about, hey, you can wander, period, end of the book. No, he just says, hey, people can wander, you can wander. Now we should be focused, we should be thinking, how can we bring them back? Because... If we bring them back or when someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. The first thing, again, we keep talking about prayer, is pray for them. Each and every one of us here, we know someone who has wandered from the faith. We need to be praying for them. That's the very first thing. Oftentimes we say, man, I tried talking to them, but they say they don't want to hear it anymore. I guess I can't do nothing. No, pray. Keep praying for them. I think many of us here, we know we're here because someone was praying for us for weeks and months and years. The second thing is we should do things, but everything must be done in grace and in mercy. And trying to win back someone who's wandering, it needs to be done in grace and in mercy. Romans chapter 2, great chapter, we'll read verses 1 through 4. It tells us, Therefore, you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O oh man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same thing, that you escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of His goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. Again, what draws us to the Lord? It wasn't His just judgment on us. It wasn't just His condemnation on us. It was the love of God, the grace of God. In the New American Standard Bible, it tells us, Do you think lightly of the riches of His kindness, His tolerance, His patience, not knowing that it's the kindness of God that leads you to repentance? So how can we win someone over that has wandered? Be kind to them. Be loving to them. Be gracious to them. Don't just call them up and say, bro, where are you? I haven't seen you at church, man. Don't do that. That's just going to drive them even more away, right? Sometimes they come back to church. It's been months since they've come back to church. And then someone tells them a sarcastic comment. And they say, that's it. I'm done. We need to be kind. We need to be gracious. We need to be merciful. Because that's what brought us here in the very first place. Was the kindness of God, the graciousness of God, the love of God. Some of us here, we were in a bad place. We were in a hospital bed and then someone reached out and visited us just to love on us and hang out with us. Some of us here, I know a lot of my story was I was in a bad place and people, man, they just loved on me. They took me out to eat. I didn't deserve it. They hung out with me. They loved on me. And that's what brought me back to repentance. There were other people that would Tell on me to my dad. And when I would hear that, I'd be super mad, right? Hey, I saw Zach here and here. Do you know about that? And then when I would hear that, I would just get infuriated. That's what I would get because I wasn't in the right mindset. But then there's other people at church inviting me over, loving on me, hanging out with me. And that's where I saw, man, these people love me way more than the people in the world. They stab me in the back. They use me and abuse me. They don't care about me. But these people, they love me even though I don't deserve it. Lord, you're working on my heart. So again, for us, how do we win the bag? It's definitely not by gossiping. It's not by talking bad about so-and-so. We should be praying for people, but don't use, right, don't use the prayer meeting as the gossip meeting, right? The holy gossip. Lord, we pray for so-and-so. They're doing exactly this and this and this and this and this. And Lord, you don't know this, even though you're all-knowing and you're omniscient and you're all-powerful. You created us. But Lord, I just thought I should bring it to your attention and the other 20 people here in the room. He knows it all. He knew it when he made them and created them. We need to be loving and kind. And again, it's the Lord ultimately who does that work. And ultimately, it's them that needs to make the decision to turn from their wicked ways. Matthew Henry, he had this quote, Now to convert such is to reduce them from their error and to reclaim them from the evils they have been led into. We are not presently to accuse and exclaim against an erring brother and to seek to bring reproaches and calamities upon him, but to convert him. And this is the key part here. If by our endeavors we cannot do this, yet we are nowhere empowered to persecute and destroy them. If we are the instruments in the conversion of any, we are said to convert them, though this be principally and efficiently the work of God. Again, someone's wandered, they're not doing well with God. It's not now your job to persecute them and destroy them. There's already one enemy of the brethren. There's already one accuser of the brethren. Please, he does not need any help. Doesn't need any help. That's Satan, right? You guys know this. Satan, one of his names, one of his titles is the accuser of the brethren. He doesn't need any help. So for us, we shouldn't be looking to destroy or persecute our brothers and sisters, but to love on them, to be gracious and merciful to them. That's the way that we should be doing it. A couple of people or things that were lost, that were wandering, that went to be found. Let's go to Luke chapter 15. And in Luke 15, Jesus gives us different parables back to back to back about things that were lost. A coin... A sheep and the lost son. And this is important for us to look at this to see how the different people within these parables act and react to these things that are lost. So Luke chapter 15. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying... I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. Again, a couple of things to notice here. I mean, I'm not a shepherd. I would have said, survival of the fittest, right? Dumb sheep, get eat, right? That's that's just what happens, right? I got my other ninety-nine here. We're good. They obey. They're obedient sheep. They're all good. That one guy... Whatever, right? Whatever happens to him, happens. No, what he's saying is if you were a shepherd, if you had common sense you would go after that one and find him. So what are we to do? Not just talk in church about them. Go out to them. Love on them. Reach out to them. Spend time with them. Now, if they're at this point of wandering, that's why we need the full counsel of God. If there's a point where they're saying that they're Christian, they're going to heaven when they die, but they're living in unrepentant sin, then Scripture says the opposite. Scripture says, don't you even eat with them, that they would miss the fellowship and want to turn from their wicked ways. But if there's someone who has wandered, right, they walked away, they didn't realize it, right? A new season in life came and it just overtook them and they're drowning and it's just a new season right many of us here we've been through all those seasons but when it's our first time through we think we're gonna drown right how many of you dads and moms here you got home from the hospital you were at the hospital with the newborn baby and you were good right their nurse came in would clean them would feed them would wrap them you're catching up on your sleep if at least i did right but then they go okay time to go home I'm Like what go home Where was the class? Where was the license? Where was the test? Time to go home. You're letting me take this home, right? (laughs) You're letting me do this? And when it's our first time in a new season, we can drown to the point where we think, you know what? Forget church. Forget all these things. i got to barely hold on to dear life. And that's why those of us who have gone through those seasons, it's so special to encourage them, to love on them. Don't just go visit them to hold the baby. No, go visit them to bring them food and watch the dishes, watch the other kids, right? And then encourage them saying, hey, this season, you're going to get through it. All the grandparents there at church, they got through it. All of humanity and mankind, they've gotten through it. That's why we're here. That's how you got here, Right? And through that encouragement, you went out to get them. And then when they come, there's a rejoicing. We should rejoice when these people are lost and they come and find Christ. When they come and they come back into church. We shouldn't be looking at them skeptical, right? We shouldn't be judging them. We should be rejoicing because in heaven, that's what it says. When one sinner comes and repents, there's a party in heaven. There's joy in heaven, So for us, again, we should go out and find those lost people because we all needed repentance. So we should go out and find them. The next one, verse 8, Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Going through kids' ministry, I was like, man, if I lost one of my 10 pennies, I really wouldn't care that much. But that's not what's going on here, right? Gold coins are at an all time high. Imagine if you lost one of your gold coins, right? You just say, ah, don't worry about it, right? It's going to be okay. It's just like $5,000. Ah, who cares, right? No, you'd be searching for that thing. Imagine you lost a Bitcoin, right? We go into that another day, right? But man, you just lost it, right? Where in the world did it go? Right? $15,000. Ah, it's okay. Don't worry about it. No, you'd be searching everywhere for that, right? What's the login info? How do I get that back, right? So for us, that's how we should be seeing people that they're lost, that they belong to the family of God. Something's missing when they're not here. We're hurting when they're not here. And now when they come back, again, a party, rejoicing, Man, did you see so-and-so was back at church? So-and-so. And that's an encouragement to us. When we're praying for them, I, I texted someone. They weren't here on Sunday. They're going through their own thing. I said, man, so-and-so, they were back at church on Sunday. Being able to encourage them. I know that they had been praying for that person. And that's the way we should be looking at it. We should be calling one another rejoicing. Again, there's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So we saw a lamb, a sheep, right, and a coin. Now, this last parable is the one we should pay the most attention to because this is the only parable of an actual human being, right? The the most difficult part in the person that's wandering is sometimes they don't want to be found. The hardest part in someone that's wandering is not like the sheep where you could the shepherd would break the leg, put it on his shoulders, and bring it back. You can't do that. Do not do that, right? Someone who's wandering, don't break their leg and bring them back to church. This is not the mafia. That's not how we do things, right? It's, It's not even like the coin where you can break the house down and look for it and grab it and bring it back. And they don't want to be there, but you're rejoicing with all the other believers around them. That's the difficult part. But now for us, with this parable of the lost son, this is where it hits home the most because this is an actual other human, right? Verse 11 And a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him to his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Verse 18 and 19, it's so important for us. Many times people say that they're repenting. Many times people say they want to come back. Verse 18 and 19 really reveals the heart of repentance. He didn't demand to be where he once was with his father he didn't say hey this is what i deserve he didn't say hey it's your fault you should have never given me the inheritance and he says i'm gonna go to my father and what does he say not that i made a mistake not that i made an oopsie not that i No, i have sinned against heaven against the lord and before you And now what's his level of worth or pride because of this? I'm not even worthy to be called your sons. Make me like one of your slaves. This is a heart of repentance. Didn't blame it on his dad. Didn't blame it on his brother. He owned it. He owned it. And you could see his ownership of it because it's, he believes it should affect his relationship with his father. Sometimes people, they say they repent, but then they think, Why should our relationship be affected? I know there's nine knives in your back, but come on, we're okay. That's not a true heart of repentance. A repentant heart says, man, I've sinned. I've messed up against the Lord and against heaven. And maybe they'll welcome me back. Maybe he'll let me be a slave. That's a true heart of repentance. Verse 20, he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Again, when we see them making that change, compassion is what should pour out of our hearts. Compassion is what should be pouring out of our actions. It's not the time to say, I told you so, right? It's not the time to be wagging your finger. It's not the time to... The prodigal son, right? His dad didn't say, okay, so how much money did you waste? How fast did you waste it? What were you eating? No, he just had compassion. He fell on him. He wanted him to feel welcomed and back at home once he repented, right? He wanted him to feel welcomed. He wanted him to know that our relationship has not been severed. It has not been broken. Verse 21, And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in your sight I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive. Again, he was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Again, when we see an unbeliever coming to the Lord, when we see someone who has wandered and they come back, should be rejoicing, should be wanting to throw a party. That's the type of heart that we should have. It shouldn't be skeptical. It's not saying, oh, when are they going to do it again? Right? This is their habit. They come for two weeks, then they drop off, then they come back, then they drop off. We should just be excited that they're here, that, that love, that care for them. And now the worry to us, the danger to us, is that we're creeping into becoming the older son instead of acting like the father, Right? If we're truly honest, most of the time we're either the prodigal or the older son in this play here, right? In this parable. Very few times are we actually that prodigal father looking, looking, excited, waiting every day for that son to come home. Verse 25. Now his older son was in the field and he came and he drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant and he said to him, your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. Right? What should have been his response? Man, my little brother's back. My little brother's home. We're about to have a barbecue. Things are going to be great. Things are going to be awesome, right? No, what's his response? But he was angry and he would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and he said to his father, Lo, these many years I've been serving you. I've never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I may make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours, right? now, my brother. As soon as this son of yours, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. Again, that's where we can creep into, like the children of Israel, that we're just consumed with what we don't have. We're consumed with our work And what we don't have. Instead of being consumed with God's work and all His blessings and His love upon our lives. Again, when we see someone coming back to the fold of God, there should be excitement. And honestly, one of the reasons why we don't rejoice is because we're bitter. And we haven't forgiven them. Somehow or another, they've done something to us. Or we think they did something to us, right? They come back and we're bitter. We haven't forgiven them. Now they come back and they're coming back and they're just acting like nothing happened. They haven't even said they're sorry to me, right? That's not biblical, right? The biblical thing is if someone has sinned against you, what should you do? Go talk to them. That's the biblical thing to do. So again, for us as believers that we would rejoice, we would be excited when we see someone coming back because we were once there. We go to Galatians, Galatians chapter 5 verse 25 and then we'll go into chapter 6. It says, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Again, as we restore such a one who was in sin, as we bring back someone, we should do it in a heart and attitude of gentleness and meekness. Because oftentimes I've seen people not handle it in gentleness and meekness. And then they get tempted and they fall to the very same thing. Again, family, we need to be filled with grace, filled with mercy when we deal with unbelievers. When we deal with backsliders or wanderers. We need to be filled with grace and mercy because we can be there as well. We need to reach them. We need to love on them. And man, maybe you're here and you're that backslider. What should I do now? You should repent. You should come back. You should have a party afterwards. But no, you should come back, right? And then go all in. Go all in with the Lord. You've, you've wasted time in a sense. And don't use that as to throw a pity party. That's not the type of party I'm talking about throwing, right? Don't just say, man, I've wasted time. I wasted so much money. I wasted so much emotion. Those relationships burn me. No, use that wasted time as a fire in your belly, saying, Lord, as much as it's up to me, not in pride, Lord, but out of humility and gratitude, Lord, I never want to go back there. Lord, I'm going to put the rest of my life to honor you and glorify you, right? Are you sick and tired of Satan? Has he angered you? Has he bothered you with what he's done with your life? Yes, it's our own actions. It's the own lure in our heart, right? As James told us. But man, we should get angry with Satan. I don't know if you like being manipulated, right? Anybody like that? Like, oh, I love it when people manipulate me, right? I love it when people take advantage of me. And when we sin, when we wander, you've been manipulated. You have been taken advantage of by the enemy. What has that done to you you say oh that's okay i'll try the church thing maybe i'll go back let him manipulate me take advantage of me a little bit more or does that anger you and you just say lord as much as it's in me lord fill me with your spirit so i can encourage other people that they would not wander that they would not be taken advantage of that they would not waste their lives away by the enemy